Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, air quality will likely continue to be an issue across Ohio and much of the region over the next couple of days at least, as smoke from those out-of-control wildfires in Canada continues to spread through the eastern U.S. Who is most at risk and how bad could conditions get? It is a Good Mornings special report. Also this morning on the lighter side, what are the top treats of summer? The National Confectioners Association has the answer for National Candy Month. And we have more yummy recipes for your family from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, June 9th, 2023. Yeah, the pictures have been absolutely incredible of this uh, smoke in some parts of the eastern U.S. Uh, here. Not anywhere near as bad, but we will still have a couple of days worth of smoky conditions, hazy conditions that might uh, impact some folks' health. If you are vulnerable, if you have asthma or... Um, The elderly or the very young also uh, would be particularly susceptible to this, so on and so forth. We're going to talk more about this as we go through the morning. It is the number one topic. I mean, the weather has been crazy. I mean, it would be enough to just complain about the fact that we have not had any rain for (laughs) better part of a month now. And add to that all of the smoke uh, issues and the haze and the air quality and all of that, it's just a, a real mess. So lots to talk about this morning as we get your Friday morning started. By the way, uh, speaking of Friday, uh, I always love it when these stories pop up on the news route, uh, on the newswire uh, on Fridays uh, regarding people who have had it with their jobs. <laughs> if you're ready to kick off, not just for the weekend, but for good... This is kind of interesting. In uh, Japan, a gentleman by the name of Toshiyuki Nino, I think is how you pronounce the name. I probably butchered it, but you get the idea. Anyway, this guy uh, from Japan, he decided he was tired of his job, but he could not muster the courage to face his boss and actually quit. And so he came up with a brilliant idea. I like this. You talk about leveraging technology for good. Um, He decided that uh, he would hire someone to quit his job for him since he couldn't muster up the courage to face the boss himself. Uh, And he's actually turned that into a new business venture. It's called Exit for a fee of $144 Exit will handle handle the awkward task of resigning from your job. <laughs> if you are uh, too embarrassed, too timid to do it yourself, you can hire these guys for 144 bucks, and they will quit your job for you. Now, as of right now, the service is only available in Japan, but it has become very popular. Uh, it is said to have generated or be generating about 10,000 inquiries annually. Now, that doesn't mean all 10,000 people who inquire about their services actually avail themselves of the services, but uh, they seem to be doing pretty well. Some bosses are skeptical, but others appreciate the honest feedback. Mr. Nino believes that uh, the culture in Japan uh, the emphasis on harmony and long-term commitment uh, is part of what is the problem here that is contributing to the demand for someone to quit your job for you. And that may not necessarily translate into other cultures like here in America. Um, so whether or not this actually crosses the pond and we get this in this country or not, I have no idea. But the uh, company offers... A valuable service, he says, even though preventing, uh, even uh, preventing suicidal thoughts in some cases. I mean, it's it's so ingrained in Japanese culture that 
this can lead to depression and thoughts of suicide. And this is serious stuff. I mean, we chuckle about it, but this is going to be serious stuff in that culture. The work culture in, in Japan still promotes lifetime employment, but exit is here to ease the burden of quitting, it says. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Of course, if you quit your job, uh, how much social connection will you have with other people? You remember during lockdowns, uh, we discovered that having social connections is good for your mental health. And when you are in a position where you don't have those interactions, uh, that can be that can be unhealthy. Um, and again, anyone who remembers the times of lockdown from a couple of years ago does not need a peer-reviewed peer study to tell you that a lack of social connections is not good for your mental health. But a study from scientists at the University of Toronto says say, staying social, especially among older adults, doesn't just benefit your mental health, but also your physical health as well. They tracked 7,000 Canadians for roughly three years and found the health of those who stayed plugged into others, connected to others, whether through volunteering, um, recreational activities, maybe a church group, whatever. Just having a social structure with others were found to be more likely to maintain excellent health during that time span. The social suspect, uh, the social subjects, were less likely to suffer mental or emotional problems, but they were also physically and cognitively healthier to boot compared to their introverted and isolated counterparts. And it wasn't even close. Seventy-two percent of these socially connected subjects were considered to be successfully aging. That is to say, lacking the maladies that are typically associated with getting older. 72% were successfully aging. Only two-thirds of the subjects who weren't so connected were said to be in that successfully aging category. So it is a significant drop-off. Mabel Ho is a doctoral candidate at the University of Toronto's Faculty uh, of Social Work and the lead author of the study, she noted, although the study's observational nature prohibits the determination of causality, it makes intuitive sense that social activity is associated with successful aging, unquote. They go on to say being socially active is important no matter how old we are. Feeling connected and engaged can boost our mind, reduce our sense of loneliness, and improve our mental health and overall health. So not just mentally, but physically as well. Interesting. Take that to heart. More of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your TGI Friday morning started. This I saw on the Newswire and kind of raised an eyebrow because it's not what you would expect. Of all of the states in the country, if I asked you to name the most romantic state among all the 50 states, the most romantic, would what would be your response? Would it be New Jersey? <laughs> I would think not. I would guess that not a lot of people would rank New Jersey as the most romantic state in America. But it is. According to a study from the jewelry company Mark Bro uh, Bromond. Bromond? Is that it? I'm not familiar. Uh, anyway, the uh, company studied Google data for searches for engagement and wedding rings, romantic getaways, and romantic destinations, and New Jersey came out on top. Delaware and New York came in second and third, respectively. It was a bit of a surprise. I don't, I don't have the rest of the uh, results beyond just the top three, but uh, I would not have guessed New Jersey, number one. <laughs> Or Delaware or New York. But here's here's the thing, though. I'm, I'm thinking that that may be a little bit skewed because that doesn't necessarily mean those states are the most romantic. Those are the places that are looking for romantic uh, places. I mean, that's what they were searching, right? Romantic getaways and romantic destinations. So doesn't it stand to reason that they 
aren't very romantic in those states because they want to get away. They want to find some place to go to be romantic. I'm, I'm not sure that the conclusion is the conclusion that they draw from that. Maybe they are a little off. And uh, speaking of getting away, this, of course, is travel season. And Hotels.com uh, recently released their room service report uncovering the wackiest requests made by guests when they go to hotels. Among the most mind-boggling orders from guests of room service demands for diet water. (laughs) Diet water. What does that look like? Uh, Also, apparently, melted ice cream. Who orders melted ice cream? I, that, it's weird. Hotel staff also had the pleasure of fulfilling requests for blowfish, um, an egg white-less omelet, an egg white-less omelet, omelet with no egg whites. Okay, that's a little unusual. A rice bowl specifically for a dog. <laughs> Somebody uh, ordered bison meat and boiled bottled water. Well, as long as you're not boiling the diet bottled water, I mean, I think you would be okay, right? That's, uh, let's see here. In the realm of guest-provided delights, one visitor brought their own fish and asked the hotel's kitchen to cook and serve it. <laughs> uh, let's see here. In addition to those eccentric requests, Hotels.com highlighted some out-of-the-ordinary room service offerings. The Milestone Hotel in London... Uh, offers in-room concerts by the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. Those must be big rooms. But to offer an in-room concert from the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, that uh, I don't think that's a perk that comes uh, with the standard uh, standard fee for the night. I think you probably have to pay extra for that. The Post Oak Hotel in Houston uh, offers from their cafe a $1,600 burger Sporting a 24-karat gold brioche bun. $1,600. I've ordered some expensive food from room service before, but never $1,600 for a burger. And um, the Plaza Hotel in New York City serves up the Home Alone Sunday, a dessert inspired by the classic movie with 16 scoops of ice cream and layers of toppings. Set you back a cool 300 bucks. Some of the more interesting room service demands and offerings of hotels. And I feel bad if I have to call down to room service for extra towels. You know what I mean? There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Hazy sunshine expected today with the high in the mid-70s. Partly cloudy tonight, a low in the mid-50s. The village of Macomb will be building a much-needed child care center. Mayor Kathy Schroll says the new child care facility will be built on State Route 235 next to Dollar General and the sign welcoming people to the village. It will be a blessing for the people living in this community. They are scrambling looking for sitters. Kathy says many parents go to Finley or Bluffton for child care, and this new facility will make a big difference in many lives. Get more of our conversation with the mayor about the new child care center with this story on our website. Numerous locations around Ohio have had bad air quality this week due to those wildfires that continue to burn in Canada. Depending on the level, doctors say children and infants should limit time outside and avoid strenuous activity. The elderly are also at risk and people with underlying medical conditions. We spoke to a pulmonary critical care physician who says levels above 150 have been associated with causing symptoms even in people without underlying respiratory conditions. I'm Lindsay Mills. A growing number of states, including Ohio, are decriminalizing fentanyl testing strips. The strips have the support of the CDC as a way to prevent fentanyl overdoses, but the strips are still technically illegal in some states under drug paraphernalia laws dating back decades. Now at least 20 states just this year, including Ohio, have legalized test strips in a bid to combat rising deaths from the opioid crisis. I'm Clay Gordon. We're less than two months away from voters deciding whether to change the threshold for amending the Ohio Constitution from a simple majority up to 60 percent. That's the only issue on the August 8th ballot. Here are the important deadlines for you. The deadline to register to vote is July 10th. 
Absentee and early in-person voting starts July 11th, and absentee ballot applications must be received by the County Board of Elections by August 1st. I'm Tracy Townsend. The Finley Rotary Club presented its 2023 Edwin L. Heminger Heroes Award. The winner was determined by Donnell Middle School 8th graders following in-person interviews of the three candidates. The recipient of the award this year is Katherine Bosman. She receives $1,000 to go to the charity of her choice. Remember, you can always get more news online at WFIN.com. Once again this morning, we begin with our special report on these air quality issues that we've been dealing with for the past couple of days. And it looks like the hazy skies from those Canadian wildfires could still affect us for a couple more days. Joining us this morning is WTOL, WTOL 11 Chief Meteorologist Chris Vickers. And Chris, as like we mentioned yesterday when we were talking with uh, Diane, uh, what we have seen to this point has been nothing compared to places like New York, Philadelphia, D.C. Uh, those pictures have just been stunning. Have you ever seen anything like this in this part of the country before? Well, first, good morning to you, and uh, good morning to all your listeners. Really, some truly incredible images, and uh, it takes a moment, and it makes you pause and just kind of appreciate uh, where we are with our air quality compared to what they are dealing with yeah. over on the East Coast. And no, I've never seen anything, and never would I have dreamed to see anything like that for our East Coast cities. Um, this is an unusual situation. Of course, the source of it is all the Canadian wildfires that have been uh, really ongoing for the past four to six weeks and really have kind of sparked up and intensified over the past week, uh, resulting in this really just treacherous air quality across the East Coast and into the Great Lakes. Yeah, yeah the cities like New York, D.C., Philadelphia uh, had some of the poorest air qualities that you can report. They are topping the charts with really poor air quality. And for us, we're really just kind of on the edge or the cusp of it. Cusp of it. But we are dealing with some air quality issues ourselves here. Uh, and again, we were talking yesterday morning about the confluence of events that is uh, that is causing all of this. Obviously, the main thing is the uh, Canadian wildfires, but they've had wildfires in Canada before. It's uh, right. a bunch Correct. of things, a bunch of things coming together for the benefit of those who didn't hear us talk about it yesterday. Kind of give us the basic overview of what's happening here. Sure. Yeah, it's a lot of things coming together. Um, there are several areas of wildfires. And if you remember just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking a lot about the Alberta wildfires. That was more western and central parts of Canada. Uh, the more recent sort of flare-up of wildfires is actually up in Quebec, where they have over 130 active uncontrolled wildfires that are still uh, occurring even at this moment now, uh, that is really just a source of pollution and a source of smoke that has been uh, driven down into the Great Lakes and East Coast by uh, two distinct weather patterns, uh, a, a permanent or semi-permanent area of high pressure that's been off just to our north and to our west, and an area of low pressure that's tied uh, just north of Maine that has just been funneling that wildfire smoke on a very persistent manner down into the Great Lakes region yeah. and into northeast, uh, northeastern territories. And really, at this point, you're just kind of victim of, of where that air is flowing from, and it's bringing some of those really heavy smoke plumes uh, down into the region. So persistence of the atmospheric pattern and uh, recent dry weather as well up in Canada and early snow melt lack of th uh, thick snow cover up there mm -hmm. uh, really got the, the season started early so to speak with wildfires uh wildfires uh latest check they were over nine million acres that had burned up in canada yeah how difficult is it to really predict what exactly is going to happen and how bad it might get because i have seen models that show everything mm -hmm. from just a little haze to smoke that could be really hazardous for our area and i would imagine this is a little bit uh, trickier to predict than just your basic weather pattern it, it absolutely is. And, you know, air quality, you know, dispersion and prediction is really still in its infancy compared to where we are with weather forecasting. You know, we're just incorporating, you know, uh, pollutants and particles now into our atmospheric models. And we're trying to, you know, you know, put trajectories out of where they're going to be going. Yeah. So we can and we do model uh, that information. There's useful things that we can gain from them. But just as you said, there's varying spreads or results that may actually happen or plausible scenarios. Now, we do expect Friday today to be one of our uh, our 
poorer days as far as air quality. Mm-hmm. So what exactly does that mean? You know, we're going to head into a category that's going to be unhealthy for uh, those with sensitive respiratory conditions. Generally speaking, if you can limit outdoor exposure or if you're one that suffers from asthma, COPD, or any other respiratory issue, you may notice some irritation just due to the wildfire smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's nothing that uh, in our area that we're going to say is, you know, a public health crisis or anything that is extremely toxic, much like they saw on the East Coast. Right. Um, but we'll, we'll tell you to use precautions. You know, if, if, if it bothers you, if, if the smoke irritates, you know, your eyes or, you know, your respiratory system, you know, do what you can to take a break indoors and to try to remove yourself some, from some of the pollutants. And at this point, is there any indication of how soon these patterns that are pushing all of this into our area might shift and push the smoke out? Yeah, and let's tie this to some hopeful news as well that, you know, we've got some rain chances that are going to be on tap yeah. finally this weekend. Uh, after really a flash drought that's developed across the area, the entire area, all of northwest Ohio, uh, you know, your whole listening area this morning is under a moderate drought. And that really just, uh, you know, unfolded in the past three to four weeks or mm. six weeks or so. Yeah. Uh, so we do see a reversal or a change in this recent dry weather pattern. So we do have a system that's coming in that's going to uh, change the wind direction, bring uh, a different air mass in. So I do expect you know, today is going to be one of our days that has some of the poorest air quality. Mm-hmm. We'll see some improvements uh, as we go through the day Saturday and then dramatic improvements by the time we get Sunday, Monday, and into Tuesday of next week. Uh, we'll actually be talking wet conditions, which will be nice for yeah. a change <laughs> and uh, a reversal from our dry weather, but also a reversal from the smoky conditions. So, yes, we do have improvements gradually into the weekend, first Saturday, and then much better Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday yeah, next week. Yeah, I was going to mention the, the good news uh, is that when the, that shift finally does happen, it will be the same one that will finally bring us some rain that we really need at this point as well. And is is this kind of, uh, you know, playing off each other, you know, kind of feeding off each other? I mean, does the fact that it is so dry uh, make the the air issue, air quality issues with the smoke that much more? I mean, if you're sensitive to dust particles and such, um, I mean, that's, it's been very dry. Yeah. So, I mean, rain rain is the natural cleansing of the atmosphere. So without rain, we've just got a little bit of everything in there. We've got dust, we've got pollen, we've got cottonwood, we've got uh, smoke particles, uh, all these various, you know, particles build up within the atmosphere without a change in that air mass or a cleansing, so to speak of it with with the rain that we uh, have been so desperately missing out on recently. So, yes, um, the the persistence of the dry weather uh, has resulted in a lot of these, you know, these irritants accumulating in the atmosphere. Yeah, so maybe over the next uh, 48 hours or less, and then we'll start to uh, maybe see some improvement. So some good news there. Again, uh, WTOL Chief Meteorologist Chris Vickers with us this morning, kind of breaking all down uh, what we can expect over the next couple of days here with respect to the uh, wildfires and uh, obviously the dry conditions. We need to we need to break from that as well. Hey, Chris, thanks very much for uh, taking the time and giving us the uh, update. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Great to be with you guys this morning. Uh, you know, stay safe, stay indoors if you can, you know, just to avoid the, you know, some of the irritants that could just kind of creep up a touch on you. And we're all looking forward to some rain this weekend. You guys take care this morning. So now continuing our cover story this morning, air quality is likely going to continue to be an issue across Ohio and much of the region over the next couple of days as smoke from those out-of-control wildfires in Canada continues to spread through the eastern part of the country. We are joined uh, now by Hancock Public Health Commissioner Kareem Baroudi. And uh, Kareem, as we were uh, mentioning a little bit just before we went on the air, uh, this is kind of crazy. It's not something that we normally obviously have to deal with in this part of the country. Good morning, Chris, and thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. This is some new, um, the last air quality kind of advisory we had in Ohio was probably 13 years ago. Um, so it's not, we don't deal much with that, but we, we're, we're, that's what we're getting uh, from the wildfires up in Canada. Yeah. And uh, uh, that's what transpired all that. And obviously, you know, you've been monitoring the situation here over the past couple of days, right? 
That is correct. I think uh, we rely on the monitors um, that the EPA, uh, the air quality monitors that they have in our area. Um, the closest we're in between Lima, the Lima monitor and the White House monitor. Okay. Earlier in the week, we, we were we were kind of in in a good spot, not a good spot, but but lower levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, uh, on the on the Wednesday the seventh, um, really our our um, those monitors showed really high um, high um, on the air quality index. Right. And that's what prompted the advisory. Now, uh, obviously, we have not seen anything, nor are we likely to see anything on the level of what they've seen in the big cities on the eastern seaboard, New York and Philadelphia, D.C., even Pittsburgh was, was really bad for a while. We're not expecting uh, anything to that level, right? No, no, and you know part of our monitoring um, of the of the air quality index here. All we, you know, as we go, uh, most m- the worst, um, you know, um, the worst was to up to up north a little bit and to a lot to the east. And we're all seeing the news about what's going on on the east coast too, right. with the New York, Philadelphia, like you said. But um, but we we are in the pretty much moderate uh, you know air quality okay uh, moderate means it's unhealthy for sensitive populations now um, so and and that's supposed to be improving here as we go um, I think the worst of it and you know if I look at the forecast here a little bit this morning um, the worst of it is gonna be today between you know noon and early evening mm-hmm. you know, six seven o'clock uh, then from there, um, it should uh, it should be improving as we go. So, as I understand it, this air quality rating is uh, goes from zero to five hundred, and they were up close to five hundred in some of those bigger cities uh, to the east. But one hundred fifty is kind of the the number where it becomes unhealthy. Uh, do, do we? What kind of numbers are we actually seeing here? Um, as of this morning, the Lima monitor is showing uh, 41 on the okay. scale, zero so. to 500, which is which is good. Um, uh, like I said earlier in the week, and especially on Wednesday, it showed 100, 150 plus in some areas. Okay, so we um, were and that's right what in we that. Start, yeah, that's correct. So, and that's what you start. You know, will be start concerned about, um, and you know, individuals with sensitive, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, air quality. Um, CO, individuals with COPD, individuals with asthma, um, because all that particulate in the in the in the plume of, of smoke um, that's overhead could trigger those um, those uh, symptoms in, right. in, in those conditions and, right. and make it. So, as you said, uh, we could see um, air quality get a little worse than that. Probably the worst that we have seen in this uh, in this week, perhaps this afternoon. So, uh, we could get back to those levels, or maybe even a little bit higher. But you're not necessarily anticipating uh, advising people to, you know stay indoors and wear masks, that kind of thing. I know, again, in some of those larger areas where they've seen really bad air quality, that's been the advice, but you're not necessarily expecting anything on that level, or are you? No, not not from what we're seeing this morning, not from looking into the forecast the next couple of days. Um, I don't think we, we are at that point. Um, I hope we'll never get to that point. Right. Um, but forecasts are forecasts. And, and I think, um, um, the, 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 the takeaway from what's happening here locally in Hancock County and Findlay is as you are outdoors, as you are, um, you know, exercising or whatever, you're going to be careful and, and listen to your body. You know, if you, if you, um, if you, uh, start feeling a scratchy throat, if you start coughing, if you start shortening the uh, breath, um, unusual fatigue, um, any, any of those, you know, little symptoms that, that usually you don't experience when you're outdoors, mm-hmm. uh, that means, you know, you need a break. Just go indoor, take a little break, 
limit your exposure. I mean, any any environmental exposure is, um, you know, it's the duration that will make a difference. Yeah, that, um, that's a good point. Limit your exposure. Go indoor. Right. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Is the uh, length of uh, of time that you are out in this? Uh, the more uh, the longer you're out in it, the more uh, of an issue it is likely to be. And as we were talking about a little bit earlier, it's compounded by the fact that it has been so dry, and so you've got more of that dust in the air, more of that pollen, uh, the stuff that the rain, if we had it, would tamp down. Uh, that's out there as well. You add this in, and it becomes that much uh, that much more. For those who are sensitive to this and do start to experience um, some symptoms or some discomfort, um, what is the advice? Obviously, getting indoors, need to close windows, uh, that kind of thing. Yes, um, getting indoor right away, uh, closing windows, take breaks, and watch for those symptoms. If the symptoms get worse, probably you need to contact your um, your primary provider or who's ever following up with you. Um, uh, little things you talked a little bit about drought, and that's how will the exasperate you know the the um, uh, the, the particulate in the air. Um, I, I think it's important to maybe you know uh, stay hydrated, mm-hmm. uh, try to take shower before you go to bed. Um, all those little things that might have the particular devil kind of triggers um, those um, those symptoms in in, in um, uh, that population uh, they will need to control. Well, and you know this is controllable, and, and that's how you yeah. probably the steps you take. The the upside, I guess the the good part uh, about all of this is being indoors, closing up uh, closing up your windows and and everything. Um, it it this could be a lot more uh or a lot more uncomfortable if we had you know the kind of temperatures that we had a week or so ago when we were in the 90s at least it is going to be relatively mild so if we do have to be indoors for a while uh kind of closed up it's uh, at least not going to be unbearably hot so there is that and uh, again uh, we mentioned the masks, and I, I know I saw a story on the uh, Newswire that there's, with the uh, wildfires, has been this run on the uh, uh, on the masks once again. Uh, might not be a bad idea to, if you do have to be out, uh, keep those handy. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the recommendations is if, if you, you know, um, again, listen to, what, to your body. If you feel a little, you know, more comfortable using a mask, with this particular, um, you know, um, air quality, uh, you know, issue, uh, I, I don't think masks are very effective because okay. we are farther away from that fire. Okay. So any heavy particulate, any heavy particulate that, that was suspended in the air, uh, probably dropped before coming to us. Mm. All what's left in that is probably very small particulate. And the mask may or may not block it. Okay. So the advice is is not to wear a mask um, unless the mask is going to make you feel better or you've been advised by your doctor to yeah. wear a mask. Good advice there. So uh, things to keep in mind, again, uh, could be a little uncomfortable as we get through the day today and maybe early in the day tomorrow. Hopefully, uh, according to the forecast, all of this will be uh, start to shift out of here by the uh, latter part of the weekend and we should be done with it. But again, uh, Henry. Public Health Commissioner Kareem Baroudi with us this morning with uh, some advice and guidance for folks who are impacted by this. Kareem, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Chris. And now on the lighter side this morning. I don't know if you knew this or not, but June is National Candy Month, and a new survey from the National Confectioners Association reveals Americans' top treats for the summer. And so joining us with all the details, uh, this is important stuff that we want to make sure that we get to here. Uh, Carly Childhouse is spokesperson for the National Confectioners Association. And first of all, you represent uh, candy makers and confectioners of all shapes and sizes all over the country, right? That is true. First of all, thank you so much for having me, and and happy National Candy Month. Yeah, we at the National Confectioners Association advocate for the people who make chocolate candy gum and mints across the country, and they are produced in all 50 states. So 
we're really thrilled to have such a wonderfully large and dynamic membership. It, it is quite an industry because you have, you know, obviously the giants that everybody knows, and then, you know, right on down to the uh, regional and even local uh, confectioners uh, that are all part of uh, this industry in their own special way. And what, from your survey, are Americans' favorite summer treats and flavors? I am excited to tell you about that research. I do want to just touch on one thing that you said, which is you're absolutely right. There are these big companies, and then there are also, the beauty of it is there are also these small and mid-sized companies as well that make up uh, the majority of the of our membership. So whatever your favorite local treat is, yeah. um, that's, that's a, an important part of, of sort of the larger American manufacturing story. But on to the important research that we did. Um, we found out Americans' favorite flavors and treats for summer. So in terms of flavors, people love red fruits. So strawberry, cherry, and watermelon are the top three flavors uh, for summer. And then for treats, number one, probably not a surprise, is chocolate. So if you're thinking like I do in the summer about s'mores as a great summer treat, <laughs> um, it should be no surprise that that's, that that's number one. Um, second up is gummy candy. So we talked about all those red fruits. If you think about those in gummy form, people will be enjoying those all season long. Mm-hmm. And then rounding out the top three might be a little bit of a surprise to people, but it's taffy. And it makes sense because it's such a classic boardwalk I'm- Absolutely. Absolutely. Saltwater taffy is summer would not be summer without saltwater taffy. So not a a big surprise to me at all. Uh, So recently, and you know, again, we talk about the uh, industry and and all of the different uh, confectioners and all of the different treats uh, that make up this industry as a whole. You recently uh, held the uh, annual uh, Sweets and Snacks Expo. What do you see uh, in terms of trends? I, I would imagine this is like a uh, an industry like any other where there are trends and you know new things being introduced all the si- all the time, that kind of thing. You're so right. We just had the sweets and snacks expo, and it's truly the center of the candy and snacks universe. It's where we see a ton of brand new innovation alongside classic and nostalgic favorites. And we saw some really cool trends coming out of the show this year. One is flavor mashups, so really unique combinations of flavors. We're also seeing a lot of brand collaborations, so two brands that come together to create something really new and innovative. Um, two examples from the show are Cinnamon Toast Crunch Stuffed Puffs and Dr. Pepper Peeps. And then we're also seeing we're also seeing so many treats that are really interactive and perfect for sharing on social media. People are looking for permission to play with their food and then want to tell their friends about it. So one of my favorite examples is a recordable lollipop. So if you <laughs> um, if you buy it and you create a uh, message for a friend and you give it to them, they can listen as they enjoy their treat. They can listen to uh, the message that you've left for them. And that is technology and innovation just hand in hand. And then rounding out the trends is um, a continuation of, of uh, consumers being met where they want to be met. So uh, companies looking to provide people with options in terms of package size. Um, so if people are enjoying a treat on their own or with friends and family, they mm-hmm. have a lot of options. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's funny in, in hearing you talk about uh, some of these trends, and these new candies, and and we were talking about the, the things that people uh, prefer. It, it all just kind of brings a smile to your face. And that is sort of the point. I mean, you know, you talk about the connection between uh, candy and these treats that we all all enjoy uh, and a lot of it is nostalgia. It brings back a lot of memories. When we were kids, it really is tied into sort of our emotional well-being and boy, is that something that we really need to focus on right now. Absolutely. You know, chocolate and candy have this really unique ability to brighten moods and lighten spirits and enhance occasions and really make ordinary days extraordinary. And at the same time, people understand that chocolate and candy are treats. And so on average, people in the U.S. enjoy them about two to three times per week, averaging just 40 calories and one teaspoon of added sugar per week. So whether it's self-care or enjoying treats with friends and family, they're prioritizing their well emotional well-being 
while also understanding that these treats are just that treat. Nobody ever came home after a bad day of work and said, man, I need a salad. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Not to disparage salad, but let's be honest here. Um, (laughs) And again, getting back to the uh, survey, we talk about the uh, top treats for the summer. You are encouraging, of course, people to incorporate candy into their summer plans this year and their summer celebrations. And I would imagine most people need really very little encouragement with respect to that. Americans told us that they're planning to incorporate chocolate and candy into their summer activities and every activity could be improved with some with some <laughs> chocolate and candy. So whether you're headed to a barbecue, to the pool, to the beach, an amusement park, a Taylor Swift concert, wherever you're going, chocolate and candy can bring just a little extra sweetness to the activity. Again, you can't talk about it without uh, bringing a smile to your face, and that's what it's all about. Uh, again, uh, uh, Carly uh, Childhouse is with us from the uh, National Confectioners Association. Uh, we mentioned the survey and all of the different treats that are out there, so the trends. You've got a lot more on your website, right? We have a ton of resources on nationalcandymonth.com. You can get tips for treating. You can learn about the history of some of our treats like s'mores and taffy. Um, And then we'd love for you to join the conversation on social media using the hashtag National Candy Month. June being National Candy Month, of course. Carly, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. And again, happy National Candy Month. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. The citizens of Fitzgerald, Georgia, have a bit of a quandary. Uh, There is a debate uh, going on in the town, a very heated debate, over what to do with the insides of a hollow 62-foot-tall structure, steel structure of a chicken. (laughs) They have this 62-foot-tall steel chicken structure that was erected four years ago in the small town in South Georgia. They have about 9,000 people in the town. So this is a, this is a small town. Um, and uh, the debate over what to do with this chicken is raging. The local government is voting on whether they will fill the inside with apartments. Because there's a lot of room. It's 62 foot tall. So there's a lot of room inside this chicken. They want to convert the insides to apartments. Uh, some say... That they should fill it with plants, make it a giant planter, uh, or just fill it with more metal. Um, The tourist attraction has cost the city more than a quarter million dollars in construction alone. And while some people debate over whether the structure looks more like a turkey or a chicken, the tension of the fate of this fake fowl remains as people defend or denounce the work in progress. Oh, man. I wish that that was like the worst problem that we had in our town. You know what I mean? What do we do with the insides of this 62-foot-tall chicken? (laughs) Stay tuned. We'll follow this story to its inevitable conclusion. You know, this uh, story, I just left left me shaking my head. And normally, uh, when people die... Uh, that's not fodder for the broken news because it's not funny when people die, um, especially uh, when people die in a violent nature. But this was just I saw this on the newswire and I thought I, I've got to I got to mention this. Uh, a 48 year old man opened fire at a funeral at uh, Washington National Cemetery in D.C., Killing two people, murdered two people at a funeral. Uh, He worked for the funeral company um, and killed two adults after tension escalated into violence over a long-standing business dispute. The man is uh, is now facing charges related to first and second degree murder as well as attempted murder and in the incident, but. Putting fire at a funeral. Trying to drum up business? I don't... I don't know. Crazy. Moving on. The broken news. Again, just an odd... It left me just kind of shaking my head. Had to mention it. (laughs) In Las Vegas, 
A family claims they saw aliens in their backyard after something fell from the sky. On Wednesday, local news reports released 911 call. Local news uh, stations released 911 call audio from the morning of May 1st. The caller told the dispatcher there were two non-human beings up to 10 foot tall with large eyes staring at him from his backyard in the Northwest Valley. Happened about 40 minutes after something streaked low across the sky. That was witnessed, the streak across the sky, witnessed by many people. A bright green flash was seen across Nevada, Utah, and Eastern California at that time. The flash was also recorded on a Las Vegas Metro Police officer's body camera. Um, And now they've got this guy claiming (laughs) there were two non-human beings, 10 foot tall with large eyes. What I thought was really, really funny about this story is uh, officials from nearby Nellis Air Force Base announced that they were not involved with whatever happened that night. <laughs> so the, the Air Force felt it necessary to come out and say, hey, it wasn't us. I don't know what it was, but it wasn't us. <laughs> I'm thinking that these guys just had a little too much fun in Vegas. You know what I mean? That's... Uh, This is a little unusual. Another uh, seizure of drugs along the southern border. Uh, And it's an unusual unusual way of trying to hide the contraband. Border Patrol agents have seized $4 million worth of drugs hidden in a shipment of Brussels sprouts. (laughs) In a shipment of Brussels sprouts. Okay. The drugs were found in a truck at a cargo facility in California. 148 packages of methamphetamine with a value of more than $4 million. No word on the value of the Brussels sprouts or the fate of the Brussels sprouts. Do you let them in and just leave them to rot? I don't know. Uh, And a couple of items from the international broken news file. Picture this. A feral hog stumbling around, drunk as a skunk, on the hunt for some late-night grub. Like any respectable party animal, it raided trash cans for a booze-absorbing snack. After making off with 18 beers and the liquid courage uh, that goes along with it coursing through its veins, this bold hog decided to pick a fight. I mean, that happens, right? When people get drunk, they will pick a fight. And apparently when hogs get drunk, they will pick fights as well. And in this case, the hog chose as its adversary a cow. (laughs) According to news reports out of Port Headland, Australia, witnesses at the Riverside campsite saw a ridiculous chase unfold with the hogs sprinting circles around their vehicle chased by a furious cow. (laughs) The hog took a daring dive into the river, swimming to the middle uh, of the... uh, of the river like a tipsy Olympian. Realizing it was outmatched, the hog wisely retreated. Lucky for it, it didn't up, end up as a crocodile's dinner, which it could have by jumping into the river. After its wild night of mischief, the fearless swine stumbled upon a cozy log on a riverbank and conked out. <laughs> what a crazy story these campers have. Can you imagine... Uh, if you were at that campsite, you saw all this unfold. You go home, you tell your friends, you won't believe what I saw when we were camping. You tell them this story, they're going to think, how many beers did you have? And fi- finally, in the broken news this morning, this out of China, where a man by the name of Mr. Liu, that's the only name that I've got, Mr. Liu, uh, was going on a blind date, arranged to meet his date at his favorite restaurant. When he showed up, not only was his blind date there, but 23 of her relatives as well. The evening turned into an extravagant feast, and the bill was nearly $3,000. Mr. Lou said, I ain't paying this. And so he ducked out. (laughs) He did a dine and dash. He left before the bill came. Uh, leaving his date to foot the bill. She 
took him to court. She sued him, demanding he repay her. The judge in the case has rendered his decision, ruling in Mr. Liu's favor, instructing him to pay $200 to the woman to cover his meal and her meal, but the rest of her family, that's on her. No word on whether there is a second date in the offing, but I'm thinking not. (laughs) There you go. That is today's broken news. An update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Did you know that the number of local children entering the court system due to abuse and neglect is on the rise? Court-appointed special advocates provide a voice for these children as they navigate a difficult situation in an unknown and often frightening system. Become a CASA volunteer and provide hope for a child right here in Hancock County. Call Ashley Bell at 419-424-7011 to volunteer or donate today. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. So Father's Day is coming up next weekend. And according to a survey from Ancestry.com, just in time, released just in time for the upcoming Father's Day holiday, 83% of dads want to share their stories with their kids, more so than moms. Uh, 79% of moms say they like to share their life stories you know, with their kids. 83% of dads want to do that. However, and this is the part that really caught my eye and I thought was, uh, was worth bringing this up. 84% of dads say no family members have asked them. They've got stories to share. They're just never asked. It's not surprising considering that just one in four Americans are familiar with their father's life before they became a dad. Uh, further, the the site survey, and again, Ancestry.com, I mean, that's what they do is deal with genealogical things and the, the stories of uh, family histories and all of that. And so, you know, dads have these stories to share. It's just no one has ever asked. Uh, The survey says 86% of men are curious about their parents' lives before they had kids, uh, compared to 75% of women. Uh, Also, men are more familiar with their parents' lives than their wives are. Uh, So if your dad is not an eager sharer, if you're not sure how to ask and draw those stories out, uh, they've got some helpful hints on how to do that. For one, start small. Ask simple questions about dad's past that are lighthearted. For example, what was the first concert you ever went to or what clubs and activities were you involved in when you were in high school? Uh, Smaller questions then can build into deeper conversations. Another hint they have, engage in a walk and talk. Uh, Just go for a walk and, and start talking. According to the site, to deepen bonds with a parent, do an activity that both of you enjoy doing so that the connection comes naturally and the conversation feels more organic. Like taking a walk together. uh, If your dad likes to cook, make his favorite dish. Uh, Fire up the grill. Uh, Have a couple of beers while you're uh, grilling some brats or, or something like that. Maybe maybe head to a museum or head to an antique store or you know, whatever it is that dad likes to do in his free time that maybe you enjoy as well. That becomes a springboard, a starting point for some of those conversations. Maybe make that a priority this Father's Day. A lot there to think about. Of course, once again, to wrap up the week, it is traditional for my wife, Kyra, to join us in the studio with another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, this morning, we're actually doing something a little bit different. Yeah, a uh, bit. We've got a... Yeah, because usually we do main dish and a side yep. dish and a dessert, and yep. you know that's kind of the, the format. Yeah. Uh, so we're doing something a, a little bit different. We've got... Um, a main dish and then some dipping sauces. It'll make sense. It's dip day. (laughs) (laughs) It's dip day, uh, such as it were. Um, So we start with a really delicious recipe for grilled 
meatballs. Yeah. Um, and we did this the other day. Yeah. They are really, they really are good. They really good. Yeah. And they're, they're, uh, uh, they're, I'm kind of on a keto thing right now, and they're very keto friendly. <laughs> they're keto friendly. Okay. Yes. So, All right. So one pound ground beef, one tablespoon minced garlic, one egg yolk, uh, one tablespoon of ground basil, one tablespoon of ground parsley, one tablespoon of ground thyme. Uh, half a teaspoon of onion powder, half a teaspoon of garlic powder, quarter teaspoon of paprika, a half a teaspoon of nutmeg, a half a quarter teaspoon of cayenne, and salt and pepper to taste. Um, so then preheat your grill uh, to about a medium heat. Uh, in a large bowl, mix all your ingredients until well combined. Shape into about one and a half inch meatballs. Uh, grill for about 10 to 12 minutes, turning a couple times uh, until the meatballs are cooked through. Uh, no longer pink inside. Um, and then serve with your uh, marinara sauce. Or your... Marinara, my marinara dipping sauce. Your marinara mm. dipping sauce. Yes. Uh, and then we have a couple of other dipping right. sauces here right. that you can yeah. uh, try as well. But yes. first, the marinara sauce. Yes. So the marinara sauce then is a half a tablespoon of butter, two te- tablespoons of minced garlic, one teaspoon of Italian seasoning, and a 15-ounce uh, can of tomato paste and salt to, ta- uh, salt to taste if you'd like. Uh, so heat oil in a small saucepan over medium-high heat until shimmering. Uh, add your minced garlic and saute until gr- browned. Uh, stir occasionally to prevent scorching. You don't want it to turn black. You just want it to be brown. Obviously. Uh, about three to, five, three to four minutes. Uh, stir in your basil and your oregano uh, until that's nice and fragrant. About 30 seconds. Reduce your heat to medium. Stir your tomato sauce and your salt in. Uh, let that simmer until the flavors have all blended about 10 minutes or so. Keep warm on uh, low heat until ready to serve. Simple as that. Yep. So there you have the marinara sauce with the yes. grilled meatballs. Maybe, however, you want something uh, that's a little different. Yeah. You've got a Greek yogurt dip. With cucumber and dill. Yes. Hmm. So one medium English cucumber, one cup of plain Greek yogurt, two tablespoons of olive oil, two tablespoons of minced fresh dill, one tablespoon of minced garlic and salt and pepper to taste. So trim the ends off of your cucumber, uh, take off the peeling, uh, cut in it into... Uh, um, half lengthwise and if you and then uh you can uh if there's too many seeds you can scrape out the seeds right if it's fine some of the the english uh cucumbers are pretty good and you don't have to mm-hmm. um but uh, then place the uh, dill cucumbers on a paper towel squeeze out the excess liquid um Whisk your yogurt, uh, olive oil, dill, garlic, salt, and pepper together in a small bowl, and then um, stir in your cucumber. So you're gonna you're gonna light it like kind of mince up your some of your cucumbers, mm-hmm. okay? And you're gonna stir those in your yogurt, and then cover and refrigerate uh, for at least one hour. Then serve with crackers or pretzel thins, or your grilled meatballs. Yes, or the grilled meatballs. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And uh, then we also have another dip. Uh, this is strawberry pretzel salad dip. Yep. Hmm. Yes. So everybody likes pretzel salad. I know our Grady, our youngest, our youngest. he really loves pretzel, pretzel, pretzel salad. Salads. So this is one eighth cream, one eight ounce cream cheese block at room temperature. <laughs> Easy for you to say. I know. One cup vanilla Greek yogurt, three tablespoons of honey, a half a cup of strawberry jam, three-fourths cup of diced strawberries, and a 7.2 ounce bag of your pretzel thins. Okay. So in a large bowl using a hand mixer, beat your cream cheese, your yogurt, your honey, and your salt together until smooth and fluffy. Uh, then place that in a small serving dish. Uh, make a dip in the middle of that. So you're going to have like a little 
dip in the middle of it about with about three-fourths edge uh, with a spoon and chill in the refrigerator for 10 to 15 minutes. While that's chilling in a small bowl, combine your jam and your sti- diced strawberries. Um, mix that together, then remove your cream cheese mixture from the fridge, spoon the jam sauce into the middle of the dip, Okay. and then top with the extra diced strawberries and serve with your pretzel things. Okay, very good. Now, yes. I, I don't know the you would want to do the grilled meatballs with that. But, yeah, it's I mean, a dessert. You could. I, you could. I yeah, mean, suppose you're you. not going to dip well, see, the grilled meatballs in it. You're going to dip the grilled meatballs yeah, in, the, uh, in the uh, marinara sauce, and then you can have your other dips if you want. But, okay. Yeah. Well, because I was thinking, um, you know, for your next party, you yeah. could just make out, uh, make all of these dips, put them out yeah. with your grilled meatballs. Yeah. Uh, people could choose the ones they want, but basically those are yeah. for the marinara dip. Yeah. Or maybe, I guess, the Greek yeah. yogurt dip. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you the could Greek do that. yogurt. I think the Greek yogurt dip That would, would be, be good, good. With, the, yeah. with the meatballs. Yeah. Um, yeah. The strawberry can, one, mm, <laughs> yeah, maybe not. I don't know about but that But if one. you're adventurous. But if you have your thin pretzels and, and uh, yeah. uh, have that for your dessert. Although and, I suppose, I mean, you could have uh, like a, it'd be like a sweet and, uh, not, maybe not a sweet and sour. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. The, uh, another uh, um, instead of strawberry, you could use like a chili jam. The oh hot yeah, chili then you jam. would have it. Then you would then have a sweet would and have sour. Something. You then would you have would have a sweet and sour for you your meatballs. For your meatballs, yeah, yeah that, that, that you could be use a good. To, mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be a good way to, to yep. maybe adjust those uh, yep. a little bit. Yeah, so mm, then you've got a idea. little bit of both. That's yeah. a good idea. Uh, so you want to try these? Uh, we've got those recipes posted on the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page, right? At Kyra's Kitchen WFIN on Facebook. Just check that out, and we have the link up at our webpage too at goodmornings.net. And once again, as we mentioned, if there's a a recipe that uh, you uh, have that's a a favorite you would like us to share, by all means, you can post it on the Kairos Kitchen Facebook page. You can email it directly to us, goodmornings at wfin.com. We'll pass that along. And uh, if there is a recipe you're looking for, you can... Yes, really looking for some stuff for 4th of July. 4th of July coming up here right around the corner. I'm kind of... I've got a couple of ideas, but I'm really looking for some suggestions. All right. So there you go. Please. We're going to put the challenge out there. If you have a, a family favorite that yes. you do for your yes. 4th of July gathering, would love it. share that on the uh, Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page. And who knows, we could uh, highlight it here in the uh, coming weeks. Again, my wife, Kyra, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage. Check us out online at goodmornings.net. Coming up Monday on the program, there is a common belief that the older one gets, the more set in our ways we become. But in reality, the happiest retirees are those who aren't afraid of change. It seems you can teach old dogs new tricks. So until Monday morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.